All right. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. It's good to see everybody that's here in person, and I'm glad you're here, and it's, I'm glad you're tuning in if you're watching online. If this is your first time watching, uh, my name is Wade, and we are glad to have you. Let me go ahead and, and pray for us, and we'll get into tonight's message. Father, thank you uh, that I'm feeling better this week. I'm so thankful to be back up here. And Lord, I just uh, thank you for the opportunity to get up here and preach the message that you gave me for this week. And God, I just pray for every heart that's here and everybody that's watching online that you would open our hearts and minds to receive what it is that you're saying to us. And Father, I pray that you'll help us to not only receive these things, but remember them. And God, I pray that you would help us to apply these things to our lives so that we can bear the fruit that you want us to bear. And uh, we'll give you the glory for that. And Lord, I just lift up everybody that's homesick right now. I pray that you'd comfort them and uh, bring them healing, Lord, and help them to get over whatever it is that they're sick from so they can get back to their lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, I hope everybody had a good Christmas. I know for a lot of people, you know, Christmas is a hard time to get through. And uh, I know some people, it's a really good time, you know, to get all their family together and just enjoy being around each other. But some people, it's just a, a reminder of, you know, painful things, a reminder that things aren't the way that they used to be. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's a reminder that, you know, somebody's not with them that was last year. But, uh, you know, no matter, no matter which side you're on there, you know, no matter which group that you fall in, I hope that you really took the time to reflect on God and, you know, what Christmas is about and how good God is to us. And, you know, I hope you took the time to think about uh, what Christmas really is. And it's celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. It's celebrating that God's salvation plan actually being activated here on earth when he was born. You know, because he came and he died on the cross for us. And, uh, you know, if you are missing loved ones, all the ones we miss on Christmas, him coming and being born as a baby, you know, that made a way for us through our faith in him and what he did on the cross to see them again. And, uh, you know, even though it's sad that we miss them, that they're not here with us anymore, what Jesus did by coming and being born and dying on the cross for us, he made us a way to have eternal life. And, uh, you know, that even though we miss them, that should give us hope at Christmas time. That should be a reminder that this ain't it. You know, we will see them again. So, like I said, no matter which group you're in, I hope you, you can still find hope at Christmas time and still be able to rejoice, uh, celebrating the things that we do have now or celebrating what he's done so everything will be made new again if you're in the other group. But either way, uh, Jesus is worthy of celebrating, not just on Christmas Day, but he's worthy of celebrating every day, every day of the year. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about where this message came from. Uh, the week before last, you know, we hear a lot of Christmas messages at Christmas time, and I like watching all the different preachers on TV and the different churches and the different pastors, I like watching those messages because everybody has a different, you know, a different message about the Christmas story 
And I just like hearing those messages about the birth of Christ and all the different things that you can you can learn from it. You know, Pastor Josh had some amazing messages about the Christmas story this year. I thought he brought out a lot of things in there that I had never thought about or even noticed before. You know, like one of the points he had was every time the angel of the Lord would tell Mary and Joseph to go or to do something, every time they were obedient and did what the angel told them, then a prophecy was fulfilled. And, uh, you know, I thought that was really neat. If you missed those messages in December, I would recommend going back and looking at them on, online because they were, they were really good. But I was getting ready one morning. I think it was a Sunday morning, and I don't have a whole lot of time on Sunday mornings. I get up at 5, and I'm usually here at the church by 6. But I always turn on Charles Stanley on Sunday mornings, and I listen to it, you know, while I'm getting ready. So I didn't really get to watch the message, but uh, I heard some of it. And uh, when I was getting ready to go out the door, he was preaching out of Luke chapter 2. And like I said, I didn't have time to listen to it, but I heard this one verse before I turned it off and went out the door, and it, it stuck into my head. And that's where tonight's message came from. In Luke chapter 2, in verse 19, it says, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And, uh, you know, what that's talking about, talking about all the things, you know, like the shepherds told her when they came and told her that they saw all the angels in the sky singing and stuff like that. And uh, the prophecy of Simeon, you know, when he had that talk with Mary and Joseph and uh you know, every time an angel of the Lord would show up and give them directions, she thought about those things. Uh, then go all the way back when the angel Gabriel came and told her that she was going to have a baby and he was going to be the savior of the world. You know, all those things that she kept hearing and experiencing, the Bible says she kept all those things in her heart and she pondered on them. And, uh, you know, I got to think about that. You know, what a crazy nine months that had to be for her you know from Gabriel showing up and telling her you're gonna I know you're a virgin but you're gonna bear a child and he's gonna be the savior of the world all the way up to this point that that would be a lot to ponder that'd be a lot to keep in your heart and think about uh, so Mary knew better than anybody who Jesus was <clears throat> you know nobody had to tell her that she was a virgin or convince her she was a virgin she knew she was a virgin and nobody had to tell her how miraculous that was, you know, for her to even get pregnant and have a child. Uh, even when he was 12 years old and Mary and Joseph took Jesus and went to Jerusalem to the feast, uh, the Bible says that they lost track of him and they couldn't find him. And then a couple of days later, they found him in the temple. And he was talking to all the religious leaders of that day. And Mary and Joseph said, we've been looking for you. Uh, but in Luke chapter 2, verses 49 through 51, that's what it's talking about. It says, but why didn't you, Jesus told them, why did you need to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. And then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Uh, so all those things, even up till he was 12 years old, Mary just kept, you know, keeping all this stuff in her heart and thinking about it. And uh, I think that had to be, you know, we can think about those things, but I don't think anybody understood it quite the way that she did. So if we skip forward 
about 18 years from the time that Jesus was 12, the Bible says he was 30 years old when his ministry started. And in Luke 3, verse 23, that's what it says. It says Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. Joseph was the son of Heli. So when Jesus was about 30 years old, uh, he was baptized by John the Baptist. And then the Bible says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted 40 days. And after that temptation, he went back to his hometown of Nazareth in Galilee. And uh, it says he started teaching, he started preaching, he started healing. And then he started choosing his 12 disciples. And uh, once he had chosen all his 12 disciples, uh, I'm going to skip forward even a little bit more uh, to the wedding in Cana of Galilee. And uh, we'll see that in John's, John's gospel. In John chapter 2, and I'm going to read the whole thing through verse 11. It says, the next day, and this was the next day after he had chosen all his 12 disciples, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. That's a big jug. Uh, Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it came from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everybody has had a lot to drink, he brings out less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. In verse 11, it says, This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So Mary pondered all those things in her heart for 30 years. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Jesus had done things before what he did there at the wedding. <clears throat> but the Bible says this was the beginning of Jesus' miracles. And uh, Luke 3.23 that we just read says this was the beginning of his public ministry. Mary knew who he was, who he was this whole time, but his glory was never recorded until now. And uh, I like the way it says in the King James in verse 11, it says his glory was manifested. Uh, the beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. <clears throat> you know, this was the first time Mary put him out there. She had pondered those things for 30 years in her heart, <clears throat> but this was the first time that Mary, with her voice, acted on her faith and who he was. And, uh, you know, that takes a lot of faith to do that. If we'll go back to verse 5, you know, she told, uh, she told them, Whatever he says unto you, do it. You know, that took a lot of faith. Not only that he would do it, 
she had faith that he would do it if she said he would, but that he could do it. You know, and uh, I think a lot of us have a problem professing our faith because we don't, deep in our hearts, actually believe God's going to do it, and we don't look want to look like a fool if we say he's going to, and he don't. So I know she was his mother, but that still took a lot of faith to do that at that wedding. And uh, to me, that sounds really familiar. You know, speaking our faith with our mouth, we share this verse every week in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. It says, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I think that was a picture of our salvation even at that wedding. You know, she professed with her mouth. She said, he can do it and he will do it because he is who he says he is. And, uh, you know, that's what tonight's message is about. You know, how many of us have been going to church 30 years, metaphorically, you know, not actually going to church for 30 years, but how many of us have been going to church every week, and, but we've just been pondering the things in our hearts? You know, we've not actually been professing them. We hadn't actually been living them, hadn't actually put any action to it. We've just been going to church every week, and uh, our water jars are still empty because we hadn't done anything with it, you know. Why don't we have the faith that Mary had to say, you know, my jar is empty and I know Jesus can fill it. You know, why, why don't we have the faith that she had? And I believe for many of us, or I know it was for me, you know, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself. Uh, I didn't want to give Jesus my jar. You know, if we go back to verse number seven, uh, Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water when the jars had been filled. Uh, you know, I couldn't bring my jar to Jesus because my jar wasn't empty. They brought him empty jars that needed to be filled. Uh, you know, I was going to church, and, you know, did I believe Jesus who he was? He said he was? Yeah, I did believe that. But I just wasn't willing to empty my jar. My jar was full of resentment. It was full of anger and uh, that I thought I had a right to. And I wasn't willing to let that go. I wasn't going to pour that out just because Jesus said to, because I had the right to feel this way. You know, my, my jar was full of alcohol because I needed it, because I told myself I needed it. And uh, the enemy told me I needed it. I had it firmly fixed in my heart that this is what I need. And uh, I wasn't ready to pour that out. So my jar was just full of my lifestyle that I wasn't ready to pour out so that Jesus could fill it up. And it was heavy. You know, it said those jars held 20 to 30 gallons apiece. You know, it was real heavy. And uh, a lot of the things that I wanted to do, the things that I needed to do, I couldn't do, you know, because I was carrying around this 10,000-pound jar of the things in my life that I wouldn't let go of. And there wasn't any room in it for the things that I really needed to be in it. Uh, you know, Jesus told his disciples and the Pharisees at one point in the Bible, you know, you can't put uh, new wine in old wineskins. And that, that was saying we can't mix our new life with our old life. You know, the old life has to be poured out and then filled up with the new life. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 3, 
<coughs> it says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. You know, God's saying, if you really want these things, if you really want beauty instead of ashes, if you really want joy instead of mourning, if you would rather have the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness, you know, he's saying, bring those things to me and I'll trade with you. God, you know, there's no a better deal you can find. God tells us to bring everything that's broken, everything that's messed up, everything that's tearing our lives apart. <coughs> Bring those things to me, and I'll take them from you, and I'll replace them with things that you do need. You know, pour out your jar, and I'll fill it up with what you need. And uh, so that's the choice that I had to make in my own life, and that's the choice we all have to make. You know, God told me, you want sobriety? It's yours. I'll give it to you. Just give me your drinking, and uh, trust me, and hand it over, and I'll take care of that for you. And he did. You know, it took me years to build up enough courage and build up enough trust to actually hand it to him and let him have it. But as soon as I did, he took it and, you know, he filled my jar up with better things. He said, you know, God is faithful. He said, you want to get rid of that uh, anger and get some peace in your heart and quit being anxious and stressed out all the time? You know, give that to me and I'll give you some peace. And I'll take care of the things that are stressing you out and the things <coughs> that are making you angry. You know, God just don't want to put some uh, spiritual duct tape on our lives to hold it together. He wants to give us new lives. He wants to fill up our jars with things that he puts in them, not things that we come up with our own. You know, that is a picture of baptism. You know, like we're doing here Sunday. We're having baptism here Sunday. If you know anybody that, that wants to be baptized. You know, it's a picture of our old life with all our sin and all our death is gone and he's raising us up to newness of life in him. Uh, we see that in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. It says, therefore we are buried with him in baptism into death. That's talking about our old life. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We have to turn from our sins and not just expose them. You know, for years I'd carry my big old jar around and expect people to feel sorry for me because I was caught in this trap of alcohol. I couldn't get out of it and my life's falling apart and, you know, woe is me and this and that and the whole time. You know, I'm sitting here waiting for God to feel sorry for me. And the whole time, God's saying, you don't have to live like that. Give it to me. Let it go. And I'll give you a new life. And, uh, you know, it says in Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, it says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And here's the part I was talking about. And turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. You know, I was doing all the other things. I would, thought I was humbling myself, carrying that stuff around, and having the woe is me thing. And I did pray. I prayed a lot, but I never had a thought about giving up all those things. 
and seek my face. You know, I was coming to church all the time. I was doing this and doing that, but I, I wasn't turning from my wicked ways. I was just coming to church, asking for help, and leaving and not taking it. Uh, and I think that's what a lot of people are doing. They're, they're not turning from their wicked ways. Uh, they're just, and God don't want us to carry them around and cope with them. You know, that's what repentance means. It means to turn and to do something different and to not just go in a different direction, you know, because I, I tried all different directions trying to improve my life. God don't want us to, re to do that. Repentance means not just go in a different direction, but go in the right direction. Go towards Him. Uh, like I said, Happy New Year. It is the new year, and it's a time for doing new things. If you do the things the same way this year as you did last year, you know, guess what you're, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get the same thing you did last year. It'll be the same problems on repeat. And I went through that year after year for quite a while. Uh, you know, pondering just means to think about something. And I did a lot of thinking during those years. I thought constantly, and I'm sure... If you're stuck in something, you're doing a lot of thinking too. But we're just thinking thinking the wrong things instead of thinking the right things. I looked up the definition of the pondering that it was talking about in the Bible there. And uh, it means to talk about it. It means to dispute it or argue about it. It means to consult or get advice on it. It even means to consider it. But if all you ever do is ponder it, then it's never going to produce anything just like it didn't produce anything for me uh, you know we have to do like it said in John 2 in verse 5 and his mother told the servants do whatever he tells you you know we have to do what he says and you know to me that's just like going to Walmart and going around getting everything we need going through every aisle seeing the things that we need putting them in their buggy and pushing it all the way to the checkout and letting them ring it up. And uh, then we just walk out when they give us the total because we're not willing to pay the price for the things that we put in the buggy. You know, we know what we need. We know what we want. We just don't want to pay the price for it. And, uh, you know, when we come and we hear the Word of God, that's what we do every week at church or in small group or at Celebrate Restoration. You know, we go through the motions, we come to the wedding, uh, we hear the words of God being preached or taught, and we fill up our buggies, and then we leave them sitting there, and we drag our we drag our 10,000-pound jars back home with us. You know, like I, like I keep telling you, I did that for years. And uh, I've got a lot of people that I love dearly that ponder about God every single day. You know, I get a lot of texts, I get a lot of phone calls. You know, I'm going through this, I'm doing this, and I'm doing this. And I love these people with everything in me, but it's the same thing over and over and over, year after year after year. And uh, all you got to do is give it to God, and He will take care of it. You know, pondering it don't help it. It don't make anything go away. And uh, like I said, I did that for a long time. And it really grieves me when I talk to these people. Like I said, I love them. And uh, they've been pondering things for 30 years. 
just like I did, and it's killing them, and it's hard to watch. And it's the same conversation over and over. Yeah, I know I need to. I know I should, but they never do it. And uh, if all you're doing is pondering, all you're ever going to do is just keep on saying, I wish, I wish, I wish, I hope, I hope, I hope, I need, I need, (coughs) I need, but you will never get it. You know, we got to get to the place where the pain of staying the same is greater than the fear of change. Uh, I don't know who said that, but I remember hearing it at some point, and that really got my attention. And uh, I heard somebody say that. you got to get to the place where the pain of staying the same is greater than the fear of change. And I remember when I heard that, telling myself, I'm already there, you know. The, the pain of staying the same is greater than the fear of change. So I did get to the place where I wasn't just bringing my problems to God to talk about them to him or to complain about them or to have a pity party. A pity party. I finally got to the place where I was bringing them to God, willing to give them to him, willing to pour my jar out. And uh, that's where life changes when we stop pondering and actually start doing something. You know, that's where faith begins. It's not learning how to cope better with those things. Try to tame those things. You can't tame sin. You can't tame those kind of things, but you can surrender them. Uh, So learning how to cope with them don't help. We've got to learn how to walk away from those things and let God show us how to live without them. You know, that was my biggest fear. I did not know how to live without them. But if you'll bring them to God, he will show you how to live without them. And a new life always involves change you can't you can't avoid that you know change always involves giving something up too uh, I'm making a lot of changes this year in my own life you know my reading plan the one I had wasn't a bad reading plan but I've been doing the same one for years or at least the last three years that I can think of like I said it wasn't a bad reading plan but I've been doing the same one for years and uh, God started speaking to me last month, and uh, he's getting me out of my comfort zone this year with a brand new one. It's a, one I've never done before, and it's challenging because, you know, it's getting me out of my routine. And I, I hate to think of myself like that, and I didn't realize how much I depend on routines. But uh, I get used to something, and I just stick with it, and I'm not trying to get in a rut, but that's what I do. I wind up in a rut. But our relationship with God shouldn't become a routine. You know, I believe it should stay fresh. We should always be learning and always be doing something new. But, like I said, we are creatures of habit. A good example of that, I'm changing all my eating habits this year, too. Not just what I eat, but actually how I'm eating them. And I didn't realize how big a rut I was in with my eating habits until God showed it to me a couple of months ago. And I shared this with mom a couple of weeks ago. I keep a notepad in my kitchen on my counter. And uh, when I get the last of something, whatever it is, out of the cabinet or the freezer or the refrigerator, you know, if I get the last thing out, then I'll turn around and right there's my notepad and I'll write it down. And uh, at the end of the week, that's my list. I don't get new stuff. I just replace whatever what I just took out and uh, 
but I don't just get the same thing. I put it back in the same spot. And I do that over and over and over and have for years. You know, I could have literally blindfold myself and go in the kitchen and pick something to eat because it's been the same thing in the same spot for years. I know where it's at. All I got to do is reach for it, grab it. You know, it was that predictable, that routine in that much of a rut. Uh, so I changed that. And now I'm eating stuff I've never, not used to eating. You know, a lot of things I've never ate before. And uh, everything's in a different spot. I go to grab Old Faithful and it's not there anymore. Uh, so I've been having to text friends and ask them, you know, how do I cook this? I've never cooked this before. Or ask them, you know, does this need to be refrigerated because I'm I'm dealing with stuff that I've never dealt with before. And it's, I know it's just food, it's just fixing supper, but it's kind of exciting to me because it, it's been a long time since I tried anything new <coughs> at all. Uh, I don't know if I went through a depression or whatever, you know, after my life, my wife left me, but I just found comfort in don't change nothing, you know, just keep things the same. And I think we do that with our lifestyle, too. It's not that we don't want out of it. We're just, we're afraid of change. We're afraid of trying new things. And that's a good place to hide is in something that you're really comfortable with. So I'm changing my reading plan, and I'm changing my food this year. Uh, and it's also a lot healthier for me. Uh, just like God will trade us the beauty for the ashes and the drinking for sobriety, you know, he's doing that with my food, too. You know, I'm trading cookies for lettuce. You know, I'm eating more salads now. I'm trading cheeseburgers for chicken. I'm trading extra virgin olive oil for vegetable oil. It's better for me it's more healthy and it's the same in our faith you know god don't want us to stop living he just wants us to live better you know god don't want you to stop having a life he just wants you to have a better life the word says he came so we could have an abundant life and if we're just stuck in a lifestyle that we know is not godly and all we do is ponder about a better life then we're never going to get one you know it takes action so let's stop pondering all the things that we wish we would do and we know we need to do. You know, let's start doing those things. And even more importantly, let's stop doing the things that we know we shouldn't do. And, I, you know, I tell you all the time, I don't know what that is for you. I can only speak for myself. But uh, you know what it is for you. And uh, God's already shown you what it is. You don't even have to think about it. As soon as I say something like that, I know it pops up in your in your head. I need to start doing this, or I need to stop doing this. Uh, like I said, you don't have to think about it. God's already revealed that to you. So we need to just stop pondering it, stop thinking about it, and do it. And, uh, you know, just like I needed advice with my food, you're going to need spiritual advice. You're going to need a spiritual partner. You know, if you don't have a partner... You're going to get tired and you're going to burn out because you'll be looking for answers that you don't have. You have to have a partner. Uh, find somebody who's stronger in their faith or a little further in their faith than you are and partner with them. Take advice from them. But you've got to participate. Just getting the advice don't help. That just gives you something else to ponder. It don't do you a bit of good 
to learn and learn and learn and learn and learn and never apply these things. You've got to participate. You know, it's good. You need a partner, but they can't do it for you. You know, they can point you in the right direction and they can give you good advice, but you have to put the work in. You have to pour your own jar out and you have to fill it. Uh, that's what Jesus told them in John 2 and verse 7 that we just read. He says, Jesus didn't fill their jars. He said, you bring the jars and you fill the jars. So he made them fill their own jars. You know, whoever you partner with, you can get advice from them. They can point you in the right direction, but they can't read for you. They can't pray your prayers for you, and they can't obey for you. Only you can do that. But they can help you do those things for yourself. And, uh, you know, once your roots start taking hold, then you're going to be amazed when you start seeing spiritual maturity in yourself. I can remember seeing it in myself when things started changing I started seeing myself differently in the mirror, and I'm like, wow, man, I'm, I'm not who I was this time last year. And when you start seeing that in yourself, that's going to encourage you to grow even more. But you can't do it by yourself. You've got to have godly people in your life. And uh, for some of you, uh, if you're anything like me, you know, you may be surrounded by ungodly people. You're going to have to get new friends. You're going to have to... Uh, make new friends and that takes courage too i had a hard time with it one thing that helped me is a you know where i had to go through i didn't have to i chose to go through a year-long program and i met a lot of people while i was in there so when by the time i got out of there you know i already had a community i already had people i could do a godly life with to help me learn how to live my new life so if you're in a life where you have nobody to show you nothing you're going to have to make new friends and you're going to have to part ways with some of them because not everybody's going to be excited or happy about you coming to christ you got to choose and uh, make that choice in your heart that i'm going to follow jesus like the old song says don't none go with me i'm going anyway that's what i had to do and uh, it's hard to do but that's that's how you get there but you can't do it by yourself, and you you have to have godly people in your life. So, you know, how many of you will be like me and say, I'm going to try and do some things different this year? You know, I've been pondering these things for a long time, but I've never done anything. You know, I know there's things I need to get rid of, but I just keep hanging on to them. You know, my hand goes up because I know there's a lot of things in my life, wasn't that they were super wrong or simple, but... They weren't taking me anywhere. They were just stuck in a rut. Uh, things I know I should be doing that I wasn't doing. You know, I've made a, made a decision that I'm, I'm doing those things this year. I'm not going to keep putting them off. So how many, how many of you will join me and say, I'm tired of just thinking about it and pondering about it too, you know? And getting the same old results over and over and over and not getting any results at all. This year, I'm going to do something different. Anybody want to join me with that? You know, I'm, I got sick of my results. I want different results. I want godly results. I'm, I want to be able to lay my head on my pillow 
<coughs> at night and know that God was pleased with me today. I want to lay my head on my pillow at night knowing that I did something good for somebody else today and it wasn't all about me. I want to know I did something for the kingdom of God. That's where the peace comes from, knowing that God's pleased with what we're doing. I mean, if you're saved, He's pleased with you in Christ. But He's really pleased when we start living for Him and start doing things that benefit others and benefit His kingdom. But that has to start at home. You know, it's, it's good to come to church. It's good to go to classes. It's good to <clears throat> be involved in all these things. But it has to start at home. If you haven't changed at home, then you're just putting on a show anywhere else you go. It don't matter what you do here. It don't matter what you do in class. If you're still going home and doing the same old things again and again and again, then you're just putting on a show at church. It's not real. And uh, you know it's not real in your heart. And God knows it's not real. And you'll still keep getting those results that you've been getting. So we've got to let God in our homes this year more than ever. And watch him do something amazing in your house. All you got to do is let him in and start being obedient to him. And you'll be amazed how quickly your home life changes. Uh, I want to close with this quote. It was in one of my devotions this week. I started a new devotional last week. And the, the first week in that devotional was written by Johnny Hunt. And one of the quotes in there is from him. Johnny Hunt said, it's not the truth you know but the truth that you obey that makes a difference in our lives and our families. You know, that's good stuff right there. It's not the truth that you know, it's the truth you obey that makes the difference. It don't do us any good to know things if we're not being obedient to them. You know, like I keep saying, pondering, it don't change anything, but pouring out our jars and allowing Jesus to fill them up for us does. That does change things. But, uh, that's my message for tonight. You know, what is it that you struggled with all year last year? I know this needs to change, but you've never gotten around to it. You know, now's the time to get around to it. Quit thinking about it. Quit pondering it and put some, put some work in it. Things don't change without effort, and things don't change without getting rid of something and getting something different. But if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, uh, I never want to end a message without getting you that opportunity. It's really simple. All you got to do is know in your heart, and you know nobody don't have to tell you if your relationship's not right with God. All you got to do is tell that to God. Say, I know my relationship is not where it needs to be with you, and I'm asking you to forgive me, and I'm asking you to come in my heart and be my Lord. And, uh, you know, I believe what Jesus did on the cross was enough. I believe he rose from the dead, and I believe he is my Savior. I'll give you some scripture for that. Uh, Romans 10 and verse 9 that we just read a while ago. If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. In verse 10, it says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Just like Mary had... She knew who Jesus was all along, but she didn't activate her faith in him until she spoke it in her mouth and said, do what he says.
when we speak that with our mouth and tell others, I believe in Jesus and I'm surrendering my life to him today, the Bible says you are saved. You receive your salvation. So if today is the day that you've made that choice, today I'm going to give my life to Christ, then tell somebody, today I gave my life to Christ. And the, the Bible says you are saved if you've done that. And don't ever let anybody tell you you went too far or that you're unworthy or you don't qualify because Romans 10, 13 says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's anybody and everybody. It don't matter what you've done. And I always like to share Romans 5 and verse 8. Uh, it says, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God already knows we're sinners. That's why Christ came. So don't worry about no matter what you've done, no matter what your past holds, no matter what kind of lifestyle you're living right now today, it does not matter. If you come to Christ and you surrender your life to him, you're forgiven right there on the spot. And the Bible says if you're in Christ, there's no condemnation for you. And you can start your new life right then, right there. Uh, and like I said, you need to partner with somebody. Uh, if this is the first day that you surrendered your life to Christ, if you don't know a good godly person to help you start your new walk, then call us here at the church or come by and just talk with somebody. We'd be glad to show you which direction to go. More than glad to do it. Uh, but that's my message for tonight. And I hope if you didn't know Christ, but you do now. And I hope if you've got things that you've been putting off that you know you need to get on, I pray that uh, this message will help you find the courage to do that. You know, it's been really awkward for me the last few weeks and the changes that I'm making, but I'm glad I made them. Now I don't know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. Now every day is a little bit of an adventure because I'm doing new things. And I think that's the way God wants us to live life. He don't want us stuck in a rut. He wants us to have hope for the future and wonder about what this is going to bring. Wonder about, man, I wonder how this is going to work out. But you don't have to wonder how it's going to work out good or bad. You know if you're following God, it's going to work out good. Well, let's quit dreading the future and start creating a good one that we can look forward to with wonder instead of dread, you know, like we get used to when we get stuck in a rut. Every day shouldn't be same old, same old, same old. Let's mix it up and do some things that we, we know we need to be doing. Make life fun again. You know, we gripe and complain, well, I used to have fun. You probably used to do things. You probably used to get out of your comfort zone and do something different every once in a while. That's when we have fun. You know, if we do, no matter what it is, if you do the same thing over and over and over, it's not fun anymore. Do something different. But I hope this message helps somebody. I know it's really been helping me, even with something as simple as trying new food. It, that really does add some excitement to your life, and it gives you joy, too. And I think it's pleasing to God when we're not just walking around like robots, but actually taking advantage of the life that he's given us. But uh, thank you all for coming out, and thank you for tuning in online. Let me pray for us, and we will be dismissed. God, thank you for this message. Lord, I pray that uh, many of us, God, will take hold of the things that we've been putting off and just quit thinking about them so much, Lord, and, and actually bring them to you and get some direction and 
start putting some action to them, especially the things that we've been knowing we need to do for years, and either out of fear of them or just not willing not willing to give them up, God. I pray that you'd give us the courage and the willingness, Father, to make the changes in our lives that you've placed on our hearts. And, Lord, I pray that we would do those changes, and I pray that they would give us the fruit in our lives that I know only your Spirit produces. And I pray that it brings glory to your name. Father, we thank you for loving us, and we love you. And it's in the name of Jesus I do pray. Amen.